This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Ronnie Martin, how are you, brother? Hey, man, it's good to be here with you. I'm doing okay. Well, good. Uh, Let's try to mess that up by talking about fear. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that the topic? I think that's our topic today. We're going to talk about... The fearful pastor? The fearful pastor, some things that pastors are afraid of. I wish I could feed into that, but I've just never, I've never struggled with fear of any kind. So that's going to be well. That's good. So we'll lean on you for your wisdom <laughs> and insights on how to combat, how to combat fear. No, we should probably call this the most fearful pastors. Episode maybe of, so. Of no, I thought about this a lot. Mainly some conversations that I've been having with a few pastors, yeah. uh, ma- mainly related to yeah, just this weird season and COVID and everything else, but it just got me thinking about the normal things that pastors fear outside of the pandemic and, and everything right, else. for sure. And and things that I dealt with, things that I was afraid of. And so I just thought it'd be a good idea to kind of trace some yeah. of this in our, in our own ministry lives. I'll start off by just saying that the biggest thing I think that affected me in terms of fear was just fear of man. Right, Absolutely. you know what the Bible would call fear, yes. man, and that worked itself out in a variety of ways. My reluctance to take initiative in conflict situations, yeah. or you know, kind of you know potentially divisive or contentious circumstances, because I was afraid of of the conflict or afraid of being rejected or something like that. That would probably be the biggest one for me. I, I'm trying to think of a specific instance that that I can share <laughs> publicly right yeah, I mean lots of instances sure. come to my come to my mind but you know I'm thinking of in particular there was a there was a meeting I had had with the deacons where we had just established elders in our church and there was just this weird tension between I remember talking to a friend of mine as we were leading up to this this transition and he said you have to be careful that you don't end up with a bicameral legislature <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in your church and that's exactly what happened was we had on paper everyone agreed okay now we have a plurality of pastors and mm-hmm. they're going to set vision and set direction and the deacons are going to be like biblically what deacons are which is basically the servants of the church they lead by serving and so they'll handle a lot of logistical practical things and right and that sort of deal but that transition was just a little, a little rocky, and so I would come to deacons meetings and imagine. kind of share some things that were decided at the elders meetings, and I had a deacon or two that were like, "What is this word from on high that you're bringing to us?" You know, like, <laughs> like they saw themselves as the veto, were the veto committee for yeah. the elders, and there were times where I just felt so intimidated and tired. I mean, part of it was I think if I wasn't yeah. so tired, I'd be a little more willing to rush into the battle, so to speak. But I also just felt overwhelmed, 
Yeah. Let me jump in right there because it, it kind of brought something up, which is I think something that pastors right now, I think in this particular unique time, COVID, hopefully getting into a post-COVID reality, it just reminds me of conversations I've had and experiences I've, I've had personally, which is sort of this anticipating the meeting that you know is going to surface things that are causing you to just be filled with dread and anxiety, which is really the the result of of our fear. So what was it like for you going into those? So you guys were experiencing like a new structure, which is always just going to be, you know, you're wanting people that at one point had a type of like authority and control. They sort of had to give that up to move into a position where they didn't have as much of it. So what, I mean, what did that do to you going into those deacon meetings? I mean, what did that feel like? Well, it was a kind of whiplash because I was really excited about the change and I, and I thought others shared a sense of excitement about, first of all, we had all agreed, you know, I took three years to kind of get to this, work through this process. So in my mind, I'd move very slowly and patiently and was bringing the right people on, on board and, and getting their agreement as we went. And the first people I worked with were the deacons because they were the de facto leadership of the church. And I thought I need to get the leadership on board before I begin moving the, the congregation through this idea. And so they were bought in for, as far as I knew, for about two years. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were bought in right into the moment until it went into effect. So it's similar to the dynamic in any church, which is they love the idea of change until it actually happens. For sure. Every church wants to grow until they do. And then right. things change and it's not the same and there's, you have this angst. And so I went in really excited and thought they would be excited about the newness and gosh, we're in conformity with the biblical pattern now. And this yeah. is going to be great. It, it takes some pressure off, actually. I felt like this board to to not have to have certain decisions weighing on them and whatever yeah. else. And it was just like this whiplash to go in and suddenly, oh, like y'all yeah. aren't cool with this. And it really was just like one or two people. It wasn't like the whole thing, but it only takes one or two kind of. It can even just be one person to be vocal and motivated and everyone else is just kind of passive and, and, and neutral about it or just trying to keep the peace about it. And so it was just like, yeah, I felt like the rug got pulled out from under me. Yeah, absolutely. Which which isn't good for interaction for me. Anyway, if, if I feel like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this, especially now I'm kind of stuttering and stumbling and getting a little more timid about the situation. Well, you know, it's so funny because it made me think of, before you said timid, I was already thinking of Timothy and like Paul's instruction to him and and thinking like, to hey, don't let the older people in your church affect your leadership, yeah. basically is what Paul was, was encouraging Timothy in. And I can only imagine the, the sort of fear of man stuff that Timothy was dealing with, which is why he needed that exhortation from Paul. But I remember the first time Kind of what you just said, I remember the first time, I don't even remember what it was, honestly. I wish I could remember the exact instance. But the first time that I was really excited about something as a pastor in ministry, and I thought I had gotten everybody on the same page. <laughs> and it's just like you described. And then, you, you, man, you feel like, man, I'm not going too fast. I'm aware of all the cliches of like the guy going in too hot and not considering all the options and all the people. And I felt like, no, 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 we did that. It's taken time, and then we make the decision, and then blammo, man, like 10 minutes later, you find out, oh, only half of you were as excited as we all are to finally (laughs) make the decision. But I just remember what it did to me in the sense that, 
it triggered something in me that made me very like gun shy after that because it was like, no, 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 no. Just because you feel like you've taken all the necessary and biblical steps and you were patient and you did your best, there's always going to be somebody that is just unhappy with the decision you make. And that is inevitable, but it caused kind of like this, sort of like this vein of fear to sort of like, to just surface in me. I mean, I would say to this day, and this was years ago, that it has probably made me way too sensitive mm. to where like any decision I make, it's like, okay, I'm more worried about the people that are going to be resistant, whether that's one person, five people, than I am with, I don't know, the 90% of the people that typically are on board and they're supportive and they're all behind it. And so it's interesting that like a little bit of fear can like leaven the, the yeah. whole loaf, right? It can affect the whole the whole thing. So, I mean, how are we as pastors, like, how do we not let fear be the controller, the controlling factor well, in our ministry? Yeah, I want to talk about some more fears before we jump to that, because I think we're getting, yeah, yeah. that's a jump to the solution. And I think we should just stew in the problem for a while, <laughs> Yeah, if that's all right. Because I think there's a variety of fears that are worth sort of discussing. And I think even fear of man has these different tendrils. Yes. So there's the, I, I don't want to be in this conflict, but then there's just also the fear of like what you're going to look like, the kind of awkwardness in front of others, looking like you don't have the answer or ha that you don't have it put together. I think those are some common fear of man issues, but I think there's other kinds of fears as well. And, 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 yeah. and I wonder if we could just take a few steps back. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What's another kind of fear that maybe you've dealt with or, or encountered in, in ministry? So obviously fear of man, I think would be big. And I think that's pretty universal. Like you're really not going to talk to a pastor. It's like, I mean, you talk to a pastor that say, I'm not afraid when anybody thinks, then, then you're kind of afraid of that <laughs> yeah, right. pastor. It might be a sociopath. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So there might be even, a, for lack of a better way of putting it, a, a healthy version of, you know, maybe it's not fear, but it's concern. We do care about what people think. And there's something good and godly about that. For a lot of guys, right, it would be fear of failure. Yeah, it would be it would be just a fear that like, man, I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm the only pastor who doesn't really know what they're doing because I'm hanging out in these environments where everybody seems to know how to talk the talk. And they it all seems like they're everything they're doing within their church. It's it's working. And I just feel like nothing I'm doing works. And I just I can see it just coming undone so easily, because one of the things I think that we learn about ministry is just how fragile it is. And so you you look and you you just have this fear of everything falling apart because in some ways it does kind of hang by a thread, right? So I think I think failure is just such a big issue with with pastors, right? Yeah, the comparison, especially the idea mm. we have of what success looks like, and then the the fear of not measuring up to that. So we look at what somebody else is doing, like you said, and kind of holding that up against our, our own efforts. And it can be yeah. stifling. Like we may not even try or kind of even push into certain challenges because we don't want to see something happen. So yeah. you know, I yeah. uh, mentioned earlier, just kind of this topic was inspired by a conversation with another pastor and he was sharing that, you know, we we're just kind of talking about some of the fears that, that he was having. He's pretty new into the ministry. And he was saying, I just have this fear of not having the right answer, like walking into the room and, and failing, you know, in his mind, failing people, because as the pastor, he should know the answer to Absolutely. some of these questions or to 
or the solution to whatever the challenge or the problem is. And, and he feels stuck. And so he's just, he has this fear. And I think that even connects back to a fear of man, because it's not so yes. much that you fear the failure, but you fear what people will think of you. They'll think of you as less than they'll think of you as a failure. They'll think of you as not being yeah, the perception. Yeah. Yeah. Not matching their ideal version of you, which is just another kind of fear of man. Also. Which is kind of like, why, why are we paying you if you don't have the answer? <laughs> well, you know, and there's, yeah. there's a sense of that, right? And it's yeah. like, I, I mean, and you've probably been in these scenarios too, where you can sit down with somebody and they're sharing a struggle or a difficulty. And for some reason in that moment, you just, you can feel the spirit moving and you, you have just words of like, just passages come to mind and you have words of like gentleness and maybe some correction here and there. And you just, you finish a meeting like that and you just, you're like, thank you, Lord, for like giving me such good wisdom here. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what he was going to, going to, going to share. And then you go to a, a meeting the next day and it's like, you have somebody sharing something with you and you're like, I have no idea what to say. You're stumbling <laughs> over your words. Like, it's almost like I've never dealt with anything like this before in my life is how it almost feels, even though you have, but in the moment you're just stuck because you're a human being and you don't always know what to say. Mm. There's those moments where you're just like, man, I, am I even the right person for this? But I'm the person for this because of who I am and what my role is here. But yet in that moment, you don't feel equipped and you don't even have words. And then there it is, that fear just rises up in you and it just takes control. Let's run some diagnostics on that for a second, too, because I think there's something about expectations on ourself, what we perceive as expectations from others on us. Yeah. But I wonder if a lot of it is just expectations on ourselves and how we measure what success even is. The vision we have for success sets us up for yeah a fear of failure that we shouldn't really feel because how we're measuring success is off the mark is not a biblical model, right? So I think if we were looking at what the scripture calls pastors to do, which is largely to pursue faithfulness, not success, so to speak, but to leave that to the Lord, then if, yeah. if, we're, if we're pursuing faithfulness, that's hard to fail at because there's not you're not having to achieve an external result. You're, you're trusting God with yes. that. So you can control what you can control and you can't control what you can't. And I think sometimes this fear is about this outcome that you can't even control anyway, that we think we're responsible for. Yeah. And that other people, th you know, think we're responsible for as well. That, no, you totally. know, yeah. That doesn't help. I don't think. <laughs> well, I think what you're describing too, th what makes me, it makes me think of this idea of we have to constantly be letting the spirit kind of redefine those things in us. Like when you read Paul's writings, right? It's almost like he's he's always coming back to that same truth over and over again about the fact that when he is weak, he is strong. I think for pastors, we because we're human beings and because we're, we are weak and we're fragile, we're frail, we just forget that those things are actually true about us. And we have to keep redefining what failure is. We have to keep redefining what success is. That's why it's important that we read books and we're immersed in scripture and we have good fellowship with other brothers that are like dealing with the same things. And in that way, it helps us continually just redefine what those things are according to how God sees them and what God's expectations are of us, which goes back to exactly what you said, which is faithfulness. Because we just 
we can't control the means and the ends. And when we try to do that, that's when that fear and then that anxiety just levels up, right? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by smallgroups.com. Find everything you need to build, grow, and maintain a healthy, thriving small group ministry. Smallgroups.com equips you to develop your ministry model and train your leaders, to nurture spiritual growth in group members, to troubleshoot typical group problems, and also to avoid common pitfalls. Whatever your role in developing life-changing community, we have resources for you. Visit smallgroups.com today. Well, I'm sorry I pressed pause on your your solution direction earlier. So let's <laughs> let's come back around to it. But I want you to be appreciative of the fact that I didn't have a fear of mm. how you would respond. I went right to like, mm. no, let's not do that. <laughs> you just threw down the you hammer. Were, you were trying to land the plane at minute seven, and <laughs> I really wasn't. I just <laughs> well, I couldn't figure out how we would backtrack <laughs> from it. But I just want you like, let's just step outside ourselves and look back in and I didn't have a fear of you in that moment if you were somebody and and so I just want to analyze why that would be like why did I fearlessly say no let's not do that let's do something else and part of it is because because we're friends and I know you and how you respond to things so I have a freedom then I think to say things like that I know I'm not trying to make a huge deal out of something but I think that's a huge aspect of this fear of man deal. Part of the solution is actually being in relationship with people to where you know what they can handle and not handle. And if you feel like there's a place of love there and acceptance, you're more likely to speak truth, hard truths, or to do things that, that might be awkward or put yourself out there than if you have a distance from people. So I yeah. think Richard Baxter in in his book The Reformed Pastor says if they believe you love them you you can tell them anything. Yeah. And I think that works the other way as well. If pastors believed their congregations loved them, they would be more fearless because that yeah, fear of man really is really good. about you're going to reject me, you don't accept me, you can't you know, hear this from me, you're going to take it the wrong way when it comes to hard truths or conflict issues, those sorts of things. And so I think just trying to pursue relational closeness with your congregation, with your flock, that begins to kind of free up a little bit to speak yeah. more freely. What else do you think works towards the solution to these different fears? I think that's really good. And I think what goes along with that, I mean, that relationship is so key. And so we develop a lot of times for pastors, we develop a relationship with our people through preaching that's going to be a main component of it. And so I, I, we talked about this on an earlier episode, but I think watching our tone and watching um, the way that we present scripture, the manner in which we preach, I, I really do think that has a lot to do with how a congregation is feeling loved so that they love you, so that they trust you, they accept you. They realize that if you're, if you're ever in a situation where there needs to be some reproof or correction, they are able to receive it from you because they've seen they've really seen in your demeanor that you have that it's some it's 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 something that is pouring out to them and what is pouring out to them is love 
And man, you only want what God wants for them. Like you don't have some special agenda. You're not up there like posturing. This isn't about you like building a platform. This isn't about you like taking some level of authority and control that you didn't get in some other area of your life. And this is where you get to exercise that. Like they they need to know that like you're there to love and serve them. So I think all those little things, they come together in some unique ways over time that allows people to feel that. I recently had, I got to be careful how I to say this, but I recently had a, I had one, I had to have a really, really difficult conversation with a member of our church. And I remember I had a week in advance to think through it, which sometimes can be worse because <laughs> right, right. you just wish I had like a day, but I had time to think through it. But I prayed, I said, give me the words that I need and show me when I need to shut up, help me to listen more than I speak. And I said, please let, like, let my voice be low and quiet and gentle And he really, he gave me that. And I had another elder with me. And so we were able to kind of present that and be that. And the conversation went, I would say it it went really well. And it, it ended up being something that was mutually uplifting. And there even came a time in the conversation where they brought up a grievance that we had to repent of. And we had to say, you know what we did? We missed that. And that's on us. So we're asking your forgiveness. We were negligent or it was something of that nature. But I think it was because there was a particular kind of manner in which we were approaching this thing. Our defenses were down. Even though I was really fearful, I was so scared. I remember even the night before the meeting, it was like I I didn't lose sleep, but I didn't have a great restful night of sleep because I don't like conflict. And I I love this family. I, I do love these people. And I, I want things to be okay, but I wasn't sure if they were going to be okay. I wasn't sure that there was going to be a sense of reasonableness. All I could do is pray and go into it with a tone that didn't exhibit fear, but exhibited the opposite of fear, which is love. And God gave me the strength to do that because I was so scared. Just to, as an encouragement to to people that are listening, man, it, you can be in ministry for a long time and go into those things. And that fear level doesn't really dissipate that much. But going into it more prayed up, depending on the Lord, I think that increases over the years. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the central? I mean, gosh, there's so many different fears. So more of, you know, coming to my mind, the fear of rejection, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the fear of the future. Am I going to be able to provide mm-hmm. for my family? Am I going to be at this church long term? Are they going to get sick of me? There's just totally. so many fears that, it's that are yeah common to humanity, but then also unique to ministry as well. It's a stream of fears. I mean, pastors, I feel like we have a literal, there's like a river of fears that is like running through our hearts, mm-hmm. like at all times, for sure. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the quenching of that is, first of all, to just notice, right, the most common command, the most frequent command in the Bible is yeah. don't be afraid. <laughs> so yeah. there's a reason for that. There's a reason that keeps coming up as the most frequent command. But to notice that so often that command is followed with some announcement of assurance. Fear not, yeah. for I am with you. With you. It yeah. is, you know, you know, the most common one. So the fact that, that that God is on your side, the fact that you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and 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 self-discipline, that reality that you have union with Christ, you mm-hmm. are secure with him. That's the ultimate kryptonite for fear, right? Yeah. That's how you battle it. I might get rejected, 
by yeah. these people. <laughs> I might fall flat on my face. I might get beat up in this meeting, this conflict meeting, but the Lord will be by me. And, yes. and he doesn't reject me and he doesn't beat me up. He will be successful even if I am not. I, I think that's kind of where we build up the courage that's and, right and the confidence. Well, and two, I, I mean, you've noticed this, and I, I know I'm becoming an older saint, but... Um, uh, this is where I wanted to go next, too. I'm glad you're doing this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, the older saints, right? I've had a couple of elders that are about anywhere from 15 to 20 years older than me, and their fears are a little bit different than mine. And some of those fears of rejection, like you just said, fears of not being loved, fears that, oh no, is everything falling apart? Man, uh, their spiritual maturity and their sanctification has allowed so many of those fears to be alleviated, not to the point where they don't have them at all, but they have so, like, fear not for I am with you. I mean, they have this, they have this very calm sense of assurance that has just grown very deeply in them, even when they're facing people that are hostile. Yeah. That I I'm that is still growing in me. I can look at some of them and it's I aspire for that to be more characteristic of me as I as I mature, you know. But I love being able to to look at older saints and go, there it is, and God's gonna get me there for sure. And that's why I think it's really important for us to be around older men and women in the faith that have less of that fear of man that's gripping them and and influencing them, right? Yeah, I I mean, why do you think that is? Because that's exactly what I was thinking that I wanted to go next as well, which is to say, as I get older, I do Mm. think there are some new fears that kind of crop up, but they're not as pronounced. And and in relation to the fear of man, that to me seems to be diminishing. There's something about getting older, I think even becoming more comfortable in your own skin a little bit. I was talking with some guys about that just a couple hours ago. And just kind of encouraging them to say, gosh, as you get older, mm. you, you, you certainly you're not as physically comfortable as you are when you're younger. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you become more, at least in my experience, more comfortable being yourself. You care less totally. what other people are, are, are thinking, or you couldn't care less what other people are thinking. And so I think there's something about that. And I don't know what it is exactly. I can't put I my finger on it. What would you say? What's the advantage to getting older that helps with, with this? You just more comfortable with yourself, more confident in yourself, or what? I think so. I, I would say if we think about sanctification and we think about becoming more like Christ, being more conformed to his image, I think what the byproduct of that is greater trust in the Father. Yeah. You know, so I just think that these are these are people that they can you know, in the same way that so like when you were when you were a younger parent or if you are a parent and you have younger kids and the things that they get upset about and the things that they're fearful about. And you just kind of look and you're able just to kind of smile and feel compassion. But you know that those things really aren't that big of a deal. So you just kind of pull them in, you give them a hug, you wipe their tears, you say, it's going to be okay. And I feel like with older saints, they're able to see some of these some of these problems and some of these issues. And they're able just because they've lived through them to say, hey, you know what? It's just, it's not as big as as you perceive it to be. And we can trust the Lord here. He's gotten us through. He's going to continue to get us through. So I think it's just that, it's that building of, of trust in Jesus over so many years of seeing so many of the same scenarios and the things that feel big aren't quite as big as we think they are. I, would I think say. that's good. But, I mean, part of it, getting older is the advantage of 
having failed more times. Yes. Yeah, and, totally. and, and, and learning that Jesus is still right there with you. Yes. That he never yeah. leaves you or forsake you. you. You cannot screw up big enough for him to say, that's it. I'm done. And when you haven't walked with him as long, you you have the you still maybe have that little sense of insecurity because you don't have the experience. Absolutely, but um, so true. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And what a cause for fearlessness if there ever was one, mm. brother. It's been good talking with you. Yeah, I love. I it. know you wanted to end of this at, at minute ten, but I'm glad that we kept going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I am a big reader of the Psalms, right. so I've learned to, uh, as you said previously. Hey, I was so, I was going to let that go. I wasn't going to bring that up. That's you. <laughs> That's you bringing that up. So I'm going to let you go so you can go read some psalms this evening. Hope (laughs) you have a great week. You've been listening to the Art of Pastoring podcast. If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.